0: Hi. I feel like we should say hi. Hi, I'm Laura. (laughs) Um, It's so, it's great to be here. There are so many people in this room who are um very special to me for a variety of reasons, and everyone in here knows um, why they are special to me and that you are special to me if you are. so um, and you all are, right? <laughs> but there's some people in here that are very dear um, to me, and um, it's I love being here and seeing a lot of faces and being with um, people who I get to share life with. Um, uh, this is like a big moment for me. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I just I felt so humbled by um, this opportunity. I know a lot of you got to hear um, from me um, last uh, retreat, and so to be back um, must mean that someone liked me. Um, so I'm taking it as a compliment. Maybe I shouldn't. Um, so I will start out by, you get to see Jennifer, you get to see Barbara, you've seen them a lot, they're on the platform at church, and you maybe don't see me here and there, I pop up. Um, so I want to take a little bit of time to bring you into my life. Um, let me share with you a picture of me and my husband um, and my little boy. Thank you. For okay. Wow. <laughs> I know. He's... Yeah. Sarah's cheering for Samson. Um, so that right there is my husband, Greg, of nine years, um, myself clearly, and my little boy, Samson. Um, I will deny to our pediatric dentist that he still uses that binky. In fact, I might have lied about that. It is um, to your appointment. <laughs> um, but the reason I gave him that binky in that moment is next photo. We were in the emergency room right there. He, oh, you can't even see it. Can you see it? Right there? Yeah. He swallowed a metal ball. Uh, Yeah. He was playing with some friends. Greg and I were actually at the coast enjoying a lovely romantic dinner. Um, That's why we were dressed up and we got the phone call and saying, hey, he's fine, right? She's, She's a lovely lady. She knew to say he's fine, but we're heading to the emergency room because he swallowed something he shouldn't have. So anyway, that was that. That was a couple weeks ago. We waited for that metal ball to come out, you guys. I have never sorted through so much. Who? Um, so I guess that's what being a mom's all about. I am fully in on that. Um, so anyway, that's, that's our little family. Last year, you might remember that I showed you guys a picture of me when I first woke up, right? Accidental selfie first thing in the morning after a really horrible night of sleep um, and what have you. And so I risked it all and I was vulnerable and I shared that picture with you. Um, so I was like, what do I do this year to like kind of help bring those walls down? I don't think I have anything nearly as um, interesting, but what I thought is to help us feel connected or to help you feel like you know me a little bit better, I thought I would invite you to my house, invite you over to my house. Um, so here is my house. Thank goodness for... Um, Uh, Google Maps. They drive through the neighborhoods, right? They drove by at the right time. Look at those flowers. I took that off of Google Maps. I took a screenshot. I was like, my house has never looked so good. (laughs) I mean, that is the day they chose. That is so awesome. Awesome. Um, so anyway, that's my little house. We live in West Salem. Um, so if I were to invite you over, you'd walk up that little pathway and into the living room where we would have coffee or tea, and I'd light a candle, and it would just be really, I'd have, you know, put that all together for you and made it really nice. If you were a good friend, we'd then walk through the dining room where you'd see, wow, wow. <laughs> I just seem to kind of unload. I have a really good relationship with Zappos. Um, I order a lot of shoes and then I leave them on the table. Um, and then you would notice that we walked through the kitchen to the kitchen table and, you know, I obviously ordered some more things at some point. Um, I will tell you out of that box, you can't see it. I saved every last penny and all of my gift cards for my birthday and I bought myself the world's nicest hairdryer. <laughs> I kid you not. I don't know why I waited 39 years to buy a good hairdryer. It has changed my life. Um, I'm serious. And, and I brought it to retreat if you would like to rent it. <laughs> For tomorrow morning, highest bidder type of situation, we can totally do that. Um, so there's my kitchen table filled with clutter Um, Then I would, hey, come on into my master bedroom. Whoa, someone has a toddler who's into the Tupperware drawer. Um, So yeah, and the funny thing is, is uh, all of those lids, and we are now missing all of the bowls. Literally, I do not know where the bowls are. I've looked everywhere. We have lids, and we have no bowls. So if anyone needs any lids, don't buy them. I've, I've got them for you. So then the next thing is, I don't know why, I just thought I'd show you my closet. Don't you feel like it's interesting to look in people's closets? Wouldn't you want to look in someone's closet? And when you look in, I mean, people like show off their closets. They have like closets that you can like sit in and do your makeup in and like have like maybe a like cushioned ottoman that you could like put your shoes on. I clearly don't, right? That is half of our closet. Our house was built in 1950, and the other half belongs to my husband. We share, we literally share that closet. And the other interesting thing about that is that literally is all of the clothes that I own. There is not any clothes anywhere else. That's not my summer clothes. That's not just my winter clothes and the other ones are somewhere else. Like that is all of my clothes. And I mentioned that. Some of you might be like, wow, you have so many clothes. And some of you are like, wow, that's all you have? Well... (laughs) Um, I kind of just did one of those things where you just purge it. I just got rid of it. I was, on, I was like, let's get honest. I haven't worn that since 99. I'm probably not going to wear it now. I used to have a job that required me to wear business suits. That was years ago. I am never wearing a suit again, I don't think. So I, I mean, I just got rid of stuff. And I got honest about that is, that's what I wear. And you know what else I figured out, you guys? So as you know, I'm a therapist. And I work Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays. I never see the same people two days in a row. Guess what that means? One outfit, one outfit. And I don't want to tell you how hard it was for me to find three different outfits for this weekend. It was a pain. It was a pain. Seriously, I will wear my outfit, set it across my dresser, and I will put that baby back on the next day. Let me tell you that... um, One night, I was um, meeting a friend for dinner on a Sunday night. We were going out, went downtown. I walked in the restaurant, and the waitress, the server, was like, oh, I like your shirt. It was like a little sparkly thing. She's like, oh, I like your shirt. I'm like, oh, thanks so much. And a cute little outfit I put together. Anyway, um, had dinner with my friend. The next day, I was meeting a different friend for coffee in the morning. And so, put that outfit back on, and the gal at the coffee shop making the coffee was the server from the night before. And she said, I still like that shirt. I was like, awesome. I figured Sunday night crowd, Monday morning crowd, totally different. I was totally called out. But then let me tell you about the sweetest, sweetest redemption story. And that was this. I went to a, a couple's Uh, baby shower on like a, on a Saturday night. And I had to do the chore of finding an outfit to wear that would be cute, blah, blah, blah. I really don't like doing that. Um, So I found an outfit and I was like, perfect. I'm going to wear it Sunday morning to church. Great. I think about this. Can you believe that? You guys, I like think about. So Monday or Sunday, so Sunday morning, I was like, you know, oh, at the baby shower was someone who sits next to us at 930 church. So I was like, nix that. I have to come up with a whole new outfit came up with a whole new outfit. The next day, go to church. She had on the same outfit from the night before. And I was, it just, it made me so happy. So anyway, there's no point in me telling you this. It has nothing to do with, um, with our talk. Um, but it's just kind of sharing a little bit about my life um, and getting some insights. Now you're probably totally checked out, and that's fine. Um, but tonight we are going to talk about engaging in our present season. Jennifer um, brought it this morning, um, talking about our past seasons. And um, so tonight we're going to talk about embracing our present season. Um, there are legitimate reasons um, to be processing and working through our past seasons. As a therapist, this is the work that I do. This is the majority of the work that I do. People come to me. Because of brokenness, hurt, heartache, heartbreak, struggle um, from their past, that they're just that they are not able to kind of get over on their own. They need somebody to help them work through that. Like I mentioned last night, I have um, been on the other side of that and continue to be working through stuff from my past and using counseling and relationships to and the Lord to be processing um, the things of my past. Um, those things that come up for us in the form of pain and frustration, disappointment and grief and struggle, those are doorways in for us. Those are doorways that God uses to come into us, ways that he wants to meet us, ways that he wants to touch us. There's things he wants to do in that work. So I believe working through our past has tons of significance, and I, I value it highly. I think I think the, it becomes problematic when we start living in the past. When we are living in the past, when we are stuck in the past, when we are recycling old stuff, when old messages and things that aren't true about us, maybe things that high school or fr- high school friends or that old college boyfriend or maybe things that our parents believed about us, those are the things um, that we allow to define us. Um, rather than what God has to say about us, what his truth uh, um, has to say to us. So when we are, our past becomes problematic when we are living in it. And so also there are valid reasons um, to continue, um, to be processing and to be considering the future, And Barbara's going to be talking with us tomorrow morning about future and changes and and things that we have and ways to approach um, the seasons that are coming. So I totally believe in the value of living our daily lives, our present life, in light of the future. Um, As as, um, daughters of Christ, we are heirs of the kingdom. Um, We have a hope in that, um, that should influence and change the way that we live our present day life. Um, But there's this other way of living in the future, right? Where we're like planning our life, where we are um, projecting how things are gonna go, where we, and then this brings about this sense of control and maybe anxiety and all the what ifs and I need to do this and all of the stress for the potentials of the future are now in today. And so then, and also it can indulge that fantasy that fantasy that my life is going to be better when. And then that sets up a whole series of expectations that when you get there and it's not, you're gravely disappointed. So here's the distinction between living in the past, that's when the past becomes problematic, then in the future when we are living for the future, Um, that's when it becomes problematic, when our daily life right now, we are just living for, living for, living for. And I absolutely, this is probably one of my core kind of tendencies, is to be living for the weekend, living for my next day off, living for... My next vacation, living for when our kids are finally in school, living for when our kids finally launch and leave the house, living for that next big job, living for when we have maybe more money, that that's when life is really going to begin. And we can subtly kind of fall into that pattern. Um, So I call that kind of living for the landmarks. And when we're living for the landmarks, we are missing out on our today. So setting up house in either of these places in the past or in the future totally removes us um, from our life today, and it is, after all, what we do have, right? We the the yesterday is gone, tomorrow is not guaranteed to come. We have today, and even with that, we do a pretty good job of driving right through this season. Um, if we're not living in the past, we're not living. For the, we're not living in the past, staying stuck there. We're not living for the future. Um, we are scheduling our days, and we are filling up our daily lives from sun up to sundown um, with so many different things that we, we can miss it entirely. We are owned by our schedules and our routines. Our lives are almost kind of mechanical and robotic, just going through the motions of our daily life and our daily schedule. Our motivator is the clock, it's our calendar, it's our reminder alarms that tell us, get going, you gotta pick up your kids, you gotta do this, you gotta do that. It's like, that's what's keeping us going and keeping us in the madness. We've got our days scheduled, we have our routines, we're running from here to there, from thing to thing, and we cannot miss a beat. We have errands to run, mouths to feed, we have laundry in process, we have a house to clean, we have bills to pay, conversations that we've been waiting to have for weeks, We have birthday parties to plan, shower gifts to buy gifts for, Bible studies to complete, volunteer activities to do. There are performances to attend, a date night here and there, maybe. Um, A dog that needs its teeth cleaned. Well, I need my teeth cleaned, and my kid needs their teeth cleaned. And I think it's been like two years since the yearly exam. I mean, it's no wonder. I haven't exercised like more than four times this month. I haven't finished decorating the house that we moved in two years ago. There just simply is not enough time. Uh, This kind of pace, this schedule, the routines is all about getting through, getting through, getting through. And there's really not much living happening in the middle of that, let alone experiencing life or embracing life um, or taking it in and, and just really getting the goodness out of it. I don't want to get to a year. I don't want to get to the end of a year I don't wanna get to the end of my son's toddler years. I don't wanna get to the end of my career. I certainly don't wanna get to the end of my life and say, where did all the time go? I wanna be able to account for that time in memories, in relationships, in internal change, in increased Christ-likeness and eternal souvenirs from a journey well-traveled. So if it's not that crazy busy of being owned by our schedules and being run by our alarm clocks and our reminders, if it's not that that's filling up your present time, I wonder if you're filling up the rest of your time like I do with zoning out. Are any of you guys (laughs) zoner-outers? I am a incredibly gifted zoner-outer. Um, honestly, my tendency is to vacillate between these two. I burn it hard and fast and run it into the ground with the crazy busy. And then I come over here to zone out and I am checked out. I am done. So there's this difference between rest and rejuvenation and restoration and doing things that are replenishing you. I, that is absolutely important and valid, that, and that is not zoning out. That's self-care, that's taking care of you, that's getting nourishment, that's keeping balance in your life, but when you're burning it into the ground, and then you've gotten so nothing left that all you do is zone out. So for me, zoning out, checking out um, is escaping life and shutting down, and it means I have nothing to give. And I admit, I, am, I have been in this place far more than I care to admit. And when my husband has suggested in those zone-out times, what about a workout right now? Oh, <laughs> what? Are you, a, are you calling me fat? Because I think you just did. And B, with what energy, right? Because wouldn't that be more restorative? Wouldn't that be helpful? Yeah, I'm sure it would, right? I'm sure it would. Um, but I'm not working out right now. Or what about just going for a walk? What? You know, or what about calling a friend? I don't have any friends. I mean, I do. But you know, you're in that irrational place. You have nothing left to give. And the mere suggestion that you do something productive feels like you're being asked to just give more. Um, so for me, this zoning out is a place that I have visited. I I honestly have empathy for my husband. He's trying, you know, he's trying to engage and trying to keep me healthy, and thank goodness I was asked to give this talk because some things in my life have changed, and we'll talk about that. You know, when the Lord prompts it versus your husband, there's a different outcome, right? Uh, Your friend can say it to you, but not your mom. Um, So anyway, so Zoning out for me. Zoning out for me is a real quick check of Instagram, and two hours later, I'm looking at someone's photos that I don't even know. Like, I just admitted the other day, I, lo- I, I have looked at Taylor Swift's Instagram account. <laughs> We're not friends. <laughs> I can't even tell you, literally, I cannot even tell you the name of a song that she sings. Sorry, I know you guys probably... Yeah, no. I don't know because you're music and you're young and you're cute. <laughs> Making assumptions, I'm sorry. Um, I can't tell you any of that, but I can tell you she has really beautiful feet. I don't need to know that. I don't need to know that, but Taylor Swift has beautiful feet. And you know what? That, you know, that's just the kind of stuff that when you're zoning out, you're noticing. And like, all of a sudden I have ugly feet. I, I do, but um, <laughs> especially compared to hers. Um, anyway, so it's that. It's like getting in, it's looking at some photos, and you find yourself maybe even hours later looking at stuff that's like of absolutely no relevance. Um, for me, it's, oh, I'm just going to catch the last 15 minutes of this show before bed, and then the next show comes on, and the next show, and an hour and a half later, I may be getting ready for bed. Or it's opening up the bag of chips, and I'm just going to have a couple servings, and <laughs> then it's gone. <laughs> or I'm just going to go into TJ Maxx, I just want to see if they have anything new, and $300 two hours later. You know, I'm not, I have not done that. my husband would be like, what? But that, it's that kind of thing, where you just are like zoning, and you find yourself just doing and in places and shutting down and disconnecting from anything really of any relevance um, to your life. So these ways of filling up our days of either powering through with the routines and the schedules and the demands of the crazy busy or then escaping through the zoning out are not connecting with our present season. And maybe that's by design. Maybe we're avoiding something. I typically find um, that when I'm in those places, I'm avoiding something. We typically are not inclined to embrace, to lean in, to draw close to things that are uncomfortable and scary. So maybe your present season feels boring and mundane to you. You lack energy and inspiration. Maybe this is a season of despair You're starting to give up hope. You've wanted or longed for something for so long and it seems to never come and you secretly fear that it never will. God's words, people's words are no longer comforting and they are starting to feel hollow and empty. Maybe this is a season of grief for you. You've lost someone or something that is really important to you. Perhaps it's a role that you've held or a role that you've loved Um, It's been taken from you, or it's no longer needed or wanted. Maybe you feel like you've lost yourself. Have you ever felt that way? You, the real you, has gotten buried beneath the performance and the expectations of everyone around you, and you don't even know who you are anymore. Maybe this is a season filled with anger, irritation, aggravation, resentment at the injustices that have occurred in your life or how significant people have let you down or the way that you've been treated in your home or in your workplace. Perhaps you're hurting. Perhaps you have a deep and private place that's hurting where there's disappointments and heartbreak that have never been attended to or never cared for. Maybe this is a season filled with depression and anxiety and you fear that if you lean into those feelings, they might swallow you up whole. Maybe you feel ashamed of the things that you've done. Maybe it's things that you currently are doing, things you've never confessed and certainly never shared with anyone and never healed from. Maybe you're lonely Maybe even in this room with lots of people, you feel kind of disconnected and like, you know people, people say hi to you, but no one really knows you. You find yourself maybe in broken relationships or your children have needs that you don't feel able to meet. Maybe your kids don't seem to need you anymore. Maybe even worse, they don't even seem like they want you. All of these are really understandable reasons to wanna hang out in the past or live for the future or get engaged in the crazy busy or to zone out. But they don't just go away. Again, these are doorways in in how God wants to meet you and what he wants to do in your life. So leaning in, as painful, as excruciating, As confusing as that might be, as doubt filled as you might be, leaning in to those things is really the way that we're going to experience God and we're going to experience the work that He wants to do in our life. Maybe this is a season of abundance for you, maybe this is a season of blessing, you're reaping harvest. People would say, lean in, embrace that for goodness sake. But we all know that that has its challenges too, right? Sometimes it feels really weird to feel really good. Like maybe this isn't okay to feel this good. Or maybe we're like, I don't want to feel that good because the other shoe always seems to drop. This is temporary. Yeah, it's nice, but this is temporary. I'm not going to lean in and really embrace it and love this because it'll be over soon. And if that meant, if you have that mentality, doesn't it make the disappointment just that much less? When it does happen, you're like, oh, I knew it was going to be over anyway. But how much, how, de- how depriving is that, right? The goodness, the joy, however long it lasts, whether it lasts for a day, or whether it lasts for two weeks, or whether it lasts for an entire season or a year, like we rip ourselves off, from experiencing that when we kind of, "Mm, I'm gonna ramp that down for whatever reason that is. So my typical fall is very overwhelming. Summer is fun, I get to take cool vacations. This year I got to go to New York City all by myself. That was a dream. I love summer. I love having my husband around more. I'm an adventure person. So we pack our days with adventure. And then fall comes. And fall, for me, dials me right into that place of functioning and performing and staying busy and working because my life kind of, you know, is geared that way. The seasons ramp up, school starts, I start teaching a couple of classes. Bible study starts, uh, my practice is full, I'm parenting, all of these things. And, and with school comes, I, when I signed up to be teaching um, at the, at, in grad school, it's like, oh, yeah, totally, I want to do that. Because being up front and dumping out my knowledge and engaging with the students, I absolutely love that. There's papers to grade and tests and quizzes, and I got to be available by email. And I mean, it is more than, I was like, oh yeah, one hour of class time a week, no problem. I guess it's two hours. But it's so much more than that, right? And Bible study isn't just showing up and hanging with my good friends. It's like doing the work and, and, you know, there's all this. So it just, the fall just kicks into gear and it gets, for me, it becomes, it starts to get overwhelming in the last couple of years with having a child in the picture and the different needs he had at four months, my first fall, and at 16 months, my second fall, and now at two and a half, my third fall of doing this, I have gotten to the place of complete overwhelm. Last year, um, going through, as, it, as it came to me and going through it, I started to feel literally like I could not breathe. I would be home My son would be playing in his room. I'd be getting myself ready and packing his bag and packing his lunch and packing my lunch and trying to put something in the crock pot for dinner, and I would just be overcome. And it would just be about putting one foot in front of the other and staying one foot in front of the clock and keeping my eye on when we need to leave and just doing this all the time. So I would find myself in this. And so my way, my great way of escaping in these situations is to put landmarks out there. Okay, we're going to go to, we're going to go on a trip here in four weeks or in six weeks. We're going to go do this in 10 weeks. We're going to have this, I have things to look forward to. Okay, I can do this. So I end up living for the landmarks. I end up living for the weekends. I end up living for my alone time, and this is not living. When Jesus said that He came so that we could have life and have life to the full, this is not it. So towards the end of this summer, as fall was approaching, I was sitting on the couch in my living room, the one the, the room that was really put together, the where we would sit and hang out. <laughs> um, I was sitting there and the first few words of a verse came to mind. And I was like, what is this? What is this? Is this a verse? I think it's a verse. I don't think it's lyrics to a song. I think it's a verse. (laughs) See, it said, I am doing a new thing. I am doing a new thing. Google, because of course my phone's right there because it's nowhere. It's never, It's right now it's the farthest away from me that it's been in a long time. Um, I Googled, I am doing a new thing. Bing! Scripture verse. Yes, great, I'm on it. Um, So as I I read this verse, see, it's Isaiah 43, 19. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And you guys, reading that was like, when you have a craving, (laughs) for carrot cake with no nuts and no raisins and a half-inch layer of cream cheese frosting. And then you get it, this for breakfast. This, this was it, this was it. It was like, this is exactly, this is exactly what I needed. So see, I am doing a new thing. What is so cool about this verse, you guys, is it is speaking in the present tense, Right now, for all of you, you can personalize this message. You can own this message. This message is for you. God is speaking this to you right now. He says, see, I am doing a new thing. God is doing a new thing for you and you and you and you. It's not tentative, maybe, he's going to do a new thing. No, it says he is. There's not a caveat, if, you, then, I. No, he is. It's happening and it's happening now. So in this is our part, right? What's our part? Our part is to perceive it. And isn't it interesting that he had to ask, do you not perceive it? And he kind of put it like, do you not perceive it? Like, because you probably don't you're right, because we don't. We don't. It's a struggle. It's been a struggle from the days of Isaiah when he was the prophet. It's a struggle for the reasons that it was then. And it's a struggle for us now, for the myriad of reasons that we have now, That's a struggle for us to perceive the work that God is doing in our lives. So what does it mean to perceive? To perceive means to attain awareness or understanding of to become aware of through the senses, especially through seeing and observing. So synonyms to, observe, uh, to perceive are to feel, to see, to sense, to smell, to taste. So it seems like a very sensory thing. He's saying, do you not perceive this? Are you not taking my work in in your life through your senses? Today, I was walking alongside of the ocean and I had headphones on and I was like watching couples and, oh, she's pregnant. I wonder how far along she is. And I was seeing dogs and they were wet and I was like, don't get near me. (laughs) All of this stuff, walking near the ocean. And it's like, uh, here I am walking by the most beautiful ocean, right? And it was perfect today. And I was taking in everything else around me. And I literally, and Laura Fenske can vouch for this because she saw me, I literally stood in front of the ocean and I took my headphones off and I walked to a place like up almost to the edge so there was no one else even in my view to be like, engage with this, perceive this, be aware of this. It doesn't really, there's not really any more raw material of God's work than that. The ocean, for crying out loud, on a beautiful day to boot. So what gets in the way of us perceiving something is distraction. Our senses are fully engaged elsewhere. So what keeps us from perceiving the new things that he is doing in our life right now? Living in the past, being lured into the fantasy and the hope and the anxiety and the whole swirl of living for the future how we are living our day, whether we're just biding time and getting through, doing the crazy busy thing, or zoning out. We are missing it if we are hanging out in those other places. So there's our part, right? To perceive. To perceive, really, that's it, just to perceive? Okay. That's, I think it's harder than we think, um, but that's all he's asking, is for us to perceive what he is already doing. So our part, and then there's his part. God's cool like this. We will find through his word, his part and our part, his part and our part. And he's the initiator and we're the responder. That's how he sets things up. So let's look at it here. What is he doing? Oh, he was, he is. (laughs) He is making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I wonder how that's personal for you. He's the one who's doing in this verse. He is making, he's creating, he's guiding, he's redeeming, he's restoring. That is a pretty loaded sentence there where he says, I am making a way in the wilderness that's a path through a desert. He is making, he is guiding, he is leading. He is providing direction. And then he is bringing in streams in the wasteland, which is bringing life, rejuvenation, um, bringing water to something that's dry and desolate and has otherwise gone... Um, I lost a word. You know what I'm saying. (laughs) Let's just go there. You know what I'm saying? Okay. (laughs) Um, So I think what else stands out to me here is that sometimes he provides for us. He provides for us a way through something, our circumstances, and helps us to get on out and to move through and to go somewhere else. Other times, instead of moving us through and out, He has us stay put, and he transforms what's around us. So I wonder how that is speaking to you. I wonder if you've got a relationship that you are trying to find your way out of, and he's saying, wait a sec, I want to bring rejuvenation and transformation, and I want to bring life to something that otherwise doesn't seem to have any." Or maybe you're just trying to make something work, trying to make something work. I gotta figure this out. I gotta figure this out. I gotta figure this out. And he's saying, I've got this. Let me rejuvenate that. Let me transform that. Let me do a work that you could not bring about on your own. I think we can get stuck thinking that I have to be the one to figure this out. I have to be the one to navigate myself through this. I've got to be the one to transform this. I've got to be the one to fix this. And he is saying, no, he's the one doing it. And he will show us what he's up to. Our job is to believe it, that he is doing it, and to perceive it. And I also believe that in that perception, perceiving what he's doing We can listen, we can watch, we can see what he's doing, and he will show us how he wants us to partner with him in that. How he would like us to join him in what he's doing. So, when I'm asked to speak on something, God also asks me to live it, like I already kind of let you in on. This is painful, but in my desire to use my life for what he wants to accomplish, This helps me to be able to speak from it from personal experience and also kind of tell you how it's going and what it's like in here. Um, So there are five elements that I have found, five key elements that I have found for me in this season that have helped me to embrace him and the work that he's doing in my life. So the first key element has been to create space. So this, I know this is fundamental, this is elementary, this is rudimentary, but we don't do it. (laughs) We fill every last second with that errand that we could run or those clothes we could fold or that special project we've had on the to-do list forever. Um, We can fill it with the internet, the TV, reading, you know, we can even fill it with good things, but we really need to back up and give God some space in our life. We need to say no in this season. This sounds horrible, but it's just the truth. What I had to say no to in this season was Bible study. That was hard for me. Bible study is something that I've gotten to do with Sarah Burtz. Who (laughs) wouldn't want to do that? For the last four years, it's been a sacred and it's been a special place for me. But it also has added hours to and created things that to do, not just being at Bible study, that's great. But then there's the Bible study and the, and the doing it and the being present and the engaged in that. And I just I had to lay things out before the Lord and say, I need you to show me what, what to move around and how, what to cut. And that was the thing. And it was hard. And doesn't that seem wrong, right? You're like, really God, Bible study, come on. And yeah, it was Bible study. But there's also been other things I've had to say no to. A friend, one of my best friends, hey, can you have dinner sometime in the next few weeks? Actually, I can't. I I can't. As much as I want to, and as important as this relationship is, I can't. Because I have needed to create the space to give God some room. The next thing is in that space, seek to connect with him magic. Um, Put yourself in the way of hearing from him. Knowing your God language is very helpful in this. Um, I actually read two books this year, and the God Languages book was one of them, and I feel so hot to trot when I showed up to the gathering and they were studying that, and I'm like, I've read that. (laughs) I have read that, and I have had a discussion with our pastor of women's ministries about it. Talk about feeling like ahead of the curve and proud and I'm going to get in trouble now. Um, But all that to say, knowing your God language is super helpful because you can feel so guilty when you don't connect with God in the way that other people do or in the way that you think you're supposed to. And reading that book, understanding the God language and finding yourself in that has been so freeing. So that is something that I I absolutely recommend. So putting yourself in the way of hearing from him, whatever that looks like for you. Sometimes people go, I haven't been to church in forever. He's not gonna kill you for that. But you're depriving yourself of putting yourself in the way of hearing from him or receiving from him when you don't, you don't have to. We don't have to be all legalistic about it. But putting yourself in the way, you're all here this weekend, putting yourself in the way of hearing from him. So whatever these ways are that you connect with God, whether it's outside, whether it's creating, whether it's relating, whether it's reading, whether it's quiet time, whether it's Bible study, do those things often in the space that you're creating. The next one is, and I think this is, they're all important, but this is so key. Be honest with God, yourself, and others about this season that you find yourself in. This has been an awesome experience walking through the seasons the fall, winter, spring, summer seasons, then talking about past, present, and future seasons. That this is giving kind of helping you guys get an awareness of where you're at, what season you're in, what you're struggling with, what's going on for you. And in that, so the first thing is, is we need to know how we're doing. And don't you feel like when we're going through the paces and going through the motions of daily life, we get disconnected from ourselves and we don't know how we're doing. So something like this weekend, awesome. Another thing would be the word map. I know Jennifer showed um, a word map And this is way too small. Shoot, I'm sorry. There's a lot of words there, just in case you're wondering what that design is. Um, It's about kind of looking in here and finding some words that resonate for you that reflect the season or the space that you find yourself in. So taking time to really be honest with yourself about where you're at, being honest with yourself before God, and then the next piece is with others. There is power in sharing where you're at. I know it's scary. I know some of us feel like maybe no one's really going to care. Um, but there is such power in setting those words free and in the connection that you experience with people in that. My pers- I could go on and on and on around uh, my own experience with sharing, I have been asked to speak in large uh, forums before around, about topics that I have used about my life. A couple years ago, I spoke about insecurity, and that was the beginning of a work that God wanted to do in my life around my insecurity issues. And last year, I kind of laid out there, I talked about the irrational fear I have of being left out. And me putting that out there last year was the beginning of a transformational work God wanted to do in my friendships and relationships. I have seen this happen time and time again in my office with clients who come in and they're just sharing and they're processing and they're telling me where they're at. And that is the beginning of the work that God wants to do in their life. Where that work is gonna lead and how it's gonna get accomplished, I don't know in that exact moment but it always seems to to start getting a foothold and start rolling out with speaking it with somebody else. James 5.16, unfortunately, has been a key verse for me in my life. And I say unfortunately because it is painful and it is humbling. But fortunately, because I have found the most freedom and the most healing in the truth of this verse. And in case you can't read it, it says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Healed, that's huge. That's not just like, so you'll feel better. That's like, so you'll be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. I broaden this verse out. I take some liberties with Scripture. God, filter it. Land what's true and wipe away what's not. I broaden this out to be not just confessing your sins, but sharing your struggles, sharing your fears, sharing your heart, sharing how you're doing so that we can pray for each other and that you might be healed. Out of this comes the good stuff, you guys. Connection when you're sharing with someone else, there's connection, not having to be alone. There's acceptance, there's possible friendship based on real stuff, not just our likes of things, but of the real stuff of life. And then there's healing and there's redemption. And then when the season has passed, all of those things remain. Isn't that gold? The next thing is to perceive. So to watch, to notice, to observe with anticipation through the lens that he is doing a new thing. Oh, I'm just going to stand back here and watch, and I hope he's going to do something new here. No, he is doing a new thing. So looking at it through the lens of he is doing something, he is up to something It's springing up right now, and I want to perceive it. He is a God who wants to let us in on it. He's not behind the curtains working out the magic, and maybe he'll show it to, you know. He has his timing, he has his ways, but he wants to let us in. And he also wants to let us know if he wants us to partner, how he wants us to partner with him in that. The final thing, element, to embracing your current season is speak it back. As you see it, as it's happening, after it's done, in the middle, throughout, after, speak it back. Speak it back to him in gratitude and worship. Gratitude for what he is doing. And speak it to others. This is our testimony. And this is encouraging. I can't think of much more encouraging than when people share with me the powerful, redemptive work that God is doing in their life. That it blesses me, it makes me feel connected to them, to him, to his kingdom. So let's not deprive each other and not share Um, what he's doing. So incorporating these things into this fall season, I have been doing it more regularly, not perfectly. Um, This last week, in fact, as I was approaching this, as comfortable as it may seem that I feel up here, this is probably the single most nerve-wracking place that I could be in, I have been quaking in my boots for the last week about this night. And I have struggled to stay present. I have wanted to zone out. I've wanted to just get engaged in other things. Um, But I have continued to create the space to seek Him, to talk about that with people, reach out and say, I'm struggling. I need your prayers. I need encouragement and I'm here, and I have seen, and I'm seeing that he's provided for this moment. And um, I'm grateful. And this, I guess, is my testimony. (laughs) Um, Speaking it to my husband, he reminded me about, he is the one who reminded me about not being able to catch my breath. He's like, do you remember last year at this time, sitting in this same season, it was so dark for you and that you called me at work and told me that you didn't even feel like you could breathe? And I was like, there is a major difference this year versus last. And I have no doubt it's because of the engagement and the embracing that's been going on. God is transforming. And I think probably the coolest thing, and I'm ending with this, is I actually do have a vacation planned for next week. And when my mom called me this week and she said, you looking forward to your trip? And I said, yeah, the women's retreat should be really good. She said, no, your trip to Hawaii. And I was like, I really forgot all about that. (laughs) I am serious. I have not been planning my outfits, (laughs) clearly. (laughs) <laughs> I have not been packing my bags. I have not been living for it. I have not even been thinking about it. And that, to me, is probably, as silly as it may seem, the most powerful thing I can say to attest to, I'm not living for uh, then. I'm living right now. So let me just encourage you guys on that front. And then, oh, you guys. <laughs> I love you. You guys are so sweet. I'm going to pray for us, and then Natalie and company are going to come up, and they're going to lead us in a song that you are welcome to join in. You're welcome just to soak it in. Um, just It has been a song that has ministered to me almost daily throughout this last probably six to eight weeks, so... Let's pray. God, thank you. Um, Thank you for your scripture from so long ago from the prophet Isaiah. Lord, that is um, so relevant and so current and so meaningful to our lives in this moment. Lord, I ask that you would help every woman in this room to open up her heart um, open up her eyes, open up her mind, open up her perceptions as she focuses on you, Lord God, that you would help her to see the work that you are doing right now in her life. Lord God, I pray that we would be able to fill, that we would be able to feel this new thing that you're doing, that you say is springing up, Lord God, that it would spring up into our awareness and that we would leave here partnering with you. Um, in the journey that you have for us, Lord God, that we would be embracing our today. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.